Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Shop and Chivalry Podcast. Today, I talk with an individual who's as vibrant as the clothing she sells. Her name is Lexi Williams. Lexi's the owner of Aloha Glamour, which is a wonderful boutique that combines her her African heritage as well as her love for the Hawaiian culture. Now, how she merged these is 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 sort of through tragedy and it was a story that I had a hard time getting through. Um, I got pretty emotional on it, if I'm honest, through the pain of, well, she tell, she tells a story of losing her daughter at seven months and it's a, it's a gut-wrenching story. And despite crippling depression and people that can't understand what that's like and maybe didn't want to understand Despite all of it, she found a way to channel that depression into a way for her to relive or rather call back into existence Lexi in the name of a spirit through her clothing. So that may not make sense, but she she called her her daughter Lauren an Afro-Hawaiian princess because she was black and she was also born in Hawaii and she merged those merge these two two cultures that she, that Lexi has a deep appreciation for. And in pursuit of this business that that she was, you know, deciding to get into while she was going through 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 the the depression, it actually helped her out of it. And it's again an amazing story and we talk about many things from, you know, culture, we touch on how some people criticized her of cultural appropriation, you know, uh, and we talk about of course, the story of her losing her daughter. And I'll be honest with you, I, I knew that that was an element of the story. I didn't realize, I guess I didn't realize what I was getting into um, because it, it, it was probably the most emotional I got in, in one of these podcasts. And um, even that doesn't do it justice. But in any way, in any case, rather, Lexi and I have a great conversation. She's a fun, beautiful, energetic woman. Uh, who's also an Air Force veteran. So, uh, everybody, you're going to love this episode, I promise. Please welcome Lexi Williams. Oh, goodness. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Shop and Chivalry podcast. My guest today. Aloha. (laughs) Aloha. Lexi Williams, well, welcome. Welcome here. And, uh, well, I... We've been working on getting this together for a while. I found you off of, I think you're speaking at the Chamber of Commerce, uh, like a, a mm-hmm. you're a speaker there recently. And then, um, I don't know if you know uh, Katie Weldon. Do you know Katie? Yep, Katie sounds familiar. Yep, so so I got in touch with her regarding you because, you know, I read that you were an Air Force veteran. Mm-hmm. You're from the Gulf Coast. You started this very culturally appropriate clothing company that, that is international, actually, you mm-hmm. know, with its, with its connections. And I thought, we got to have a conversation. So as we talked, and we'll find out here shortly, we got a lot in common. Uh-huh. We're practically cousins. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we got different daddies, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so Lexi, who are you? Well, Lexi is 37. I'm retired. Air Force, like you just mentioned. I'm from Gulfport. Okay. Turnkey, to be exact. All That's right. The Forest Heights area. Um, I graduated from Harrison Central in okay. 2002. 
and the funny story is I I was in Army, JROTC. And okay. The only reason why I didn't go into the Army is because we were preparing for, a, um, what is it, a drill show. Uh-huh. And my major yelled at me. He made me cry. And I was like, you're not even in the real Army no more. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going into the Army. <laughs> so I enlisted into the Air Force as okay. a air traffic controller okay that's our first connection right Uh there you go and i um eventually cross trained into human resources okay all right and then you did that you're good you're good don't worry about it uh so you did that for 17 years 17 years six months four days 23 hours and eight seconds but i wasn't counting uh, no, there's there's no way you could have been. There's no way you could have been. Shoot. <laughs> well, so where did that journey take you? Whew. So um, I was originally stationed here okay. at Keesler. Tech school was here. And, um, you know, I joined the Air Force to get away from Mississippi. Uh-huh. And God was like, mm, nope. Not yet. Yeah, we're going to keep you right here. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> so <laughs> I was stationed at Keesler Tower. Uh-huh. And after um, Katrina, Mm -hmm. while we were evacuated, I found out I had orders to South Korea. Okay. So I went from Korea to Langley. Okay, Virginia. In Virginia. Yep. Back to Korea, South Korea. Okay. And then Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) That's how you're supposed to say it. Hawaii. Hawaii, okay. Uh Uh-huh. And then here. Okay. I came back home. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I, f- I flew out uh, when I was in Travis. Okay. We flew out through the Pacific a lot. Uh, you know, spent a lot of time in Waikiki Beach at the Outrigger Hotel. Mm. You know, oh, y'all got money. <laughs> well, it's the Air Force, you know. They they they, they, they spend money on you out there. But uh, and and of course, being being a part of Air Crew, that was just mm. you know that was just the way of it. But you're a low master. Uh, I used to be a crew chief, a gotcha. mechanic on C5, C17. So we we went out there quite a bit. I, I got tired of, you know, dragging my knuckles outside. So I, uh, you know, decided to do ATC. So, yeah. Now I teach it at the schoolhouse. You sure do. Yep. Yep. Show you enough. Sure do. <laughs> so, so let me ask you this. So you've, you've got, you've, you've got a clothing company. I do. Okay. Tell us about that. Well, Aloha Glamour was started in, I want to say 2017. Okay. Um, I started it for my mental health, actually. Interesting. So in 2015, while I was stationed in Hawaii, um, my daughter, she was born and she died um, while I was stationed there in November. December, my divorce was final. In January, I PCS from Hawaii to Mississippi. So I suffered... three different type of losses Uh, back to back to back okay and when i um pcs'd here it was predominantly civilian because i was working at the 81st tris Mm -hmm. which is like right across from you yeah um so it was a lot of civilians i didn't have much military leadership and to them, all they saw was a tech sergeant who had been in for 12 years, just sad, not talking and crying at her desk. Like for- With no understanding of no, the underlying- No understanding. Yeah. So they didn't see what happened. They got the aftermath. They got the depressed, I don't even want to be here. Unmotivated kind of deal. Yes. Yeah. And probably an organization that's in constant motion. Yes. Yeah. And- um. The Air Force didn't know how to deal with me. Mm-hmm. Turn it off. Oh, <laughs> well, I, I think it's tough for anybody to, to kind of 
put themselves in another person's shoes, mm-hmm. um, dealing with any type of loss, much less three three life changing losses that happen in sequence. Right. You know, I mean, it's a tough thing. I mean, how, how it's kind of difficult to know where to begin on that. Um, how how do you cope with 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 a single loss, much less three? I had no choice Mm -hmm. because after I PCS, I still had little kids. They needed to be enrolled in school. I had to find us some place to live. So Mm -hmm. here I was needing to grieve, but I wasn't allowed to grieve. Mm. So I had to be um, creative in that grieving process. Why do you say you weren't allowed to grieve? Well, in the black community, we don't talk about loss. We don't talk about anything really. If it's affecting your mental health, we, we don't talk about it. We're told to be seen and not heard, right? Mm. So when I lost my daughter, I feel like I didn't have anybody to talk about. I, could, I mean, to talk to. I couldn't talk to the Air Force. I couldn't talk to my mom. My mom was a preacher, so her thing was, you know, pray about it. Um, but, like, what happens after you pray so mm. much, right? So I couldn't talk to my mom, and I just felt like I was all alone. And I remembered three weeks after I lost Lauren, um, it was my birthday weekend actually, so I couldn't even celebrate my birthday because I was so sad. But my friend, her name was Ebony, she took me to the Hawaiian flea market. And when we went to the flea market, there were these pua skirts. In Hawaii, they use pua skirts um, for hula dances Mm -hmm. and for like ceremonial type um, events. But it had five, elastic waistbands and I remember putting it on and I no longer felt like I looked pregnant because I was seven months pregnant when um when I experienced the child loss um I felt like I no longer looked pregnant the colors they were so vibrant and it was like I instantaneously felt alive again when I put that skirt on so when I hear that I, I I've had some some friends that have you know suffered through a miscarriage and 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 I do try to understand you know what they go through because I love them I care about them mm-hmm. that is something no matter how well somebody explains to me no matter how receptive no matter how much I try to learn about it it's not possible to know how you felt in that for a lot of reasons mm-hmm. but you know uh, when my goddaughter was born uh, I noticed a bag uh, that was hooked up to an IV and it had oxytocin in it mm-hmm. and so I didn't realize this, but you're given oxytocin during pregnancy and oxytocin is a chemical released when, uh, well, it's called the love hormone. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're intimate with people, it reinforces bonds. What it does during pregnancy though, is uh, it, it dulls the memory of pain during childbirth, right? And that's why they think that women that go through this pain of childbirth they don't remember it as painful mm. because the oxytocin modifies the memory, which is interesting. Um, but also oxytocin uh, helps your body like repair cognitively, physiologically, um, numbs pain, all, all that sorts of thing. And what I worry, well, what I think of when you suffer a child loss, right, mm-hmm. is that maybe some of that depression might be because your body didn't get a chance to go through the recovery process with oxytocin because the child was lost. Mm, no. No? I don't think that, um, I don't think I, no. Because you, you, you did go through a short or, or a period of 
depression and it was something about and and depression is often you know considered a dark place and mm-hmm. then something about these vibrant colors attracted right. you brought you into a place of light right you know yeah and you talked about you know not um you can't imagine a lot of people can't imagine it and how i tried to explain it to those you know who still had kids living because you know they always say well at least you still have kids and you know think about the ones that you do have and everything happens for a reason you know to try to not really bring light to the situation but to so they can understand more I Mm -hmm. say well think about all your kids that you have now and tell me which one you can live without Mm. and they're just like yeah so it, it it happened out of out of nowhere. I was actually um, I had my glucose test that morning. Okay. And I had been feeling really really bad after the glucose test, and because I worked in IPR, we um, deployed a lot of people out of PACAF. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting at the desk, and my head was on the desk. I just felt like. I felt a hot mess, and I'm sure I looked a hot mess because one of my customers was like, oh, my gosh, you look like death. Uh. And I was like, I feel like it. (laughs) And as soon as I stood up to walk to the bathroom, my stomach just dropped. And in thinking about the sequence of events, that was the exact moment when she died. And my troop, Keisha, me and her, we were one month apart from each other. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me. And she was like, you okay? I said, well, something don't feel right. And I had been having, I had a temperature of like 103, 105 um, for a couple of hours. So my supervisor ended up sending me home and I went to sleep. Long story short, um, I hadn't felt her move since that drop. And I called the um, ER. I had called the ER before I left. And I said, um, you know, hey, I'm leaking fluid. And they're like, oh, that's normal. And I said, okay. So I went home and I went to sleep. But I deal with a lot of, of um, guilt because I feel like my motherly instinct should have kicked in. Like, no, something's not right. I should have went to the hospital. Um, but you have no way of knowing. I mean, all you can do is kind of rely on the medical professionals. That medical are, advice. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So based off that medical advice, I did not go in. And, um, you know, but at that point she was gone. But what was so traumatizing to me was the doctor, when the doctor came in, okay, so let me start over. When I went into the ER, I walked in, I said, you know, I have a fever of 103. I haven't felt my baby move since this morning. This was at Tripler. They gave me a, a sample cup. They said, go pee in this cup and come back. So I went peed in the cup and then they sat me in the waiting room for 30 minutes after I had told them I hadn't felt my baby move. 30 minutes later, a nurse comes to get me. She puts me in a room. Another 30 minutes goes by before they even come in and try to find my baby's heartbeat. So the, um, the first lady came in. She tried to find the heartbeat, but I could tell she couldn't find it and she didn't say anything. She just left. So the second face that I saw was a male nurse and he had the ultrasound monitor, but he had it faced away from me. And, you know, he was trying to find a heartbeat, but he couldn't. He said, I'll be right back. And the next 
face that I saw at this point, I was like, okay, something ain't right. So this was the doctor that was in charge for that night. And she came in. The monitor still wasn't facing me, and she was trying to find it. She couldn't find it. So then she turned the screen around and was like, this is your baby, and this is where her heart should be beating, and there's no heartbeat. It was like, as soon as she said that, I immediately just, of course, bust out crying. And um, she said, but I have to go get another specialist, you know, to verify. So as soon as she left, I'm on the floor on my knees just crying and praying. I don't know what I'm crying and praying for. You know, I'm trying to bargain with God, like just why, please bring my baby back. Um, But that didn't happen. So when the specialist came in, she was like, well, you can either deliver her now or we're going to send you home for you to come back. And I looked at her and I said, well, you can't send me home because I have a fever. And she said, oh, well, that changes things. So then they admitted me into the um, hospital. But at this point, um, I'm shaking like so bad because I had been shivering all day. Like it was hard for me to control my mouth. It was uncontrollable. And it was to the point where um, my jaws were hurt and my body was hurting because I couldn't control my shivering. Mm. Um, I got my epidural. My best friend, Ebony, and my troop, Keisha, came. Keisha's crying, Ebony crying, I'm crying. And um, I'm shaking. And then there was like this smell. I said, Keisha, did you fart? Because, you know, she's pregnant. I'm not judging. She was like, no, I thought that was you. I said, well, Ebony, check under the covers to make sure I didn't boo-boo on myself because I can no longer feel my legs because I got an epidural. Mm. I said to make sure, you know, because the doctor said she was going to come back in an hour for me to push so I could deliver my baby. I had to deliver her because she was so big. Mm. So um, I said, Ebony, make sure I didn't boo-boo on myself because that's going to be embarrassing, right? So she lifts the cover. She puts it back down. She said, I'll be right back. So she goes to get the nurse and the doctor. The doctor comes in, pulls the cover up, and she was like, you didn't feel yourself deliver your baby? I was like, no. So as I was shivering, like my body literally rejected my child and pushed her out and it smelled like, I don't know if that's what a dead body smelled like, but it was horrible. So I had to cut the umbilical cord. And um, there's this great program in Hickam. When you suffer a child loss, there's some volunteers that come in. They take pictures of, like, your um, your moments with your, your baby and, um, you know, to give it to you. But because the infection was taking over me, I couldn't really spend time with um, Lauren. Her name is Lauren Taylor. I couldn't f- spend time with Lauren um, because they were trying to get me under control. I guess my levels were all out of whack. And I think I went into a, a coma, not long, but I remember them taking me to ICU for a few hours. Um, but what hurt the most was after I got out of ICU, they put me on the labor and delivery floor right by the nursing station. And here I am, this mother who had just suffered a child loss, and all I can hear is babies crying around me. Mm. And I'm just like, that's all I wanted to hear was my baby cry, and I couldn't. So, um, 
they tried to give me anxiety meds. Like my anxiety was super high to where the meds didn't even work, right? Um, so I didn't sleep. Well, by the third day, I told the nurse, I said, look, y'all need to move me um, from here. Either move me to another floor or move me, you know, to where I can't hear these babies crying. And they ended up moving me to the, the front of labor and delivery. And I didn't sleep for five days. I was in the hospital from the 5th until the 10th of November. So it's like every year between October, October is National Child Loss and Miscarriage Month. So I'm already going through it in October. And then her birthday is the beginning of November. So it's like, I will go through this cycle of being depressed from October into the beginning of the year. Because after her birthday is my birthday, then the holidays, and then the first of the year. Mm. But yeah, that was my, um, that was that. I feel guilty asking you to tell that. Um, I don't feel guilty. Because I can see it. I feel. I mean, it, it affected me. Yeah. It, um, because we don't talk about it, we, not me, not just me, but in sharing my story, I have a lot of women, they contact me and say, you know, because of you, because of your story, you know, I feel I can share with you that I've lost two children. I've even had this lady tell me that she lost nine and she's never told anybody. But because I shared my story, um, she felt that she could relate to me, even though, you know, it's it's kind of sad that that's the way that we relate, but um, she felt comfortable enough to tell me her story. And I feel like if, if I can provide that to women, then I'm happy because I know what it felt like. I felt alone. Like, I felt like there's... Like, nobody understands what we go through. And, um, you know, in the military, they always talk about suicide and suicide awareness. As soon as I PCS to um, Kiesler, they sent me to a suicide awareness training because it's mandatory for the whole squadron. And one of the scenarios was this lady lost her baby. And this is not even three months after I lost my daughter that I'm having to sit in this um, room and it got to the point I said I can't do this so I ended up leaving like my supervisor she was a civilian so I was her first military troop I think and she didn't know like what to do Um, so I ended up leaving that training but as long as I can provide um, an outlet for other women you know to be able to share their story because I understand what it feels like to want to die, not because you don't want to be here, but it's to stop the pain because the pain is so much, like it's so hard. And then if you have children that are, you know, that are still living, like we we have to show up for them. So we can't, um, you know, just sit and sulk and grieve. Well, it's amazing that you're willing to put yourself through that, you know, to, 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 to help other people. Is it difficult for you to kind of sit through and listen to other people's pain? Does it, does it help you cope with yours? 
Yeah, it it helps me um, cope. I try to provide a sisterhood. So two years ago, I started this child loss um, miscarriage awareness walk. It's not official. Mm-hmm. It's unofficial. I just do a Facebook event, say, hey, I'm meeting at Jones Park. Um, it's every third Saturday in October. And the first time I did the walk, it was me, my kids, and one other person. So the following year, there were six people. And then last year, we had about 12, 13 people there. So Mm -hmm. it's growing, and um, we talk about our babies Mm -hmm. because a lot of times when you lose a child, nobody wants to talk about the child because they don't want you to be sad or depressed when a lot of times we want y'all to acknowledge that our baby was here like she meant something and in starting Aloha Glamour it was very um, important for me to merge the African culture and the Hawaiian cultures together because she was born in Hawaii and I Mm -hmm. felt like she was my Afro-Hawaiian princess yeah I've heard you mention that. I love that. Yes, I kind of made up trademark pending. (laughs) (laughs) So I made up that word Afro-Hawaiian because with every um, order that goes out, I also put a card in there that explains my story to explain Aloha Glamour. Because a lot of people be like, Aloha Glamour? Girl, you black. You from Mississippi. What you talking about Aloha? (laughs) 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 So then when I explain the story, they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. But it was important for me to include those elements because... I want people to say Lauren's name. I want people to know Lauren Taylor was here and she meant so much to me and my struggle and my story. And it's unfortunate that, you know, she had to be the sacrifice in order for me to step into my purpose. I feel like there are people out here waiting to hear my story so they can get through whatever it is that they're going through. You know, it's interesting. You, you've you've mentioned this recurring theme of, of of continuing to to call Lauren's name and talk about your child and you know some people uh, maybe might think that's not a good idea. But I'm 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 on your side with this. I had the unfortunate opportunity to to, to speak at a couple funerals. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always talk about. Yeah, hope I can get through this. Uh, is uh is Genesis in the book of Genesis, you mm-hmm. know, it's the first book of the Bible. And, and, and when, and when God is creating everything, he, he, he creates something and then he names it, mm-hmm. right? He created the dry area between the oceans, the land, the vastness above the sky, the period of light, the day, the period of night or the period of darkness, the night. And so the message I say is it's as if, a divine being is saying that in order for something to exist, it must be called into existence. Mm-hmm. And so by continuing to speak the name, tell, tell the story, talk about the individual, you call them, sorry. It's okay. You call them back into existence. Mm-hmm. You do. Um, and that's, that's important, you know, to remember those memories because I do believe in signs. Um, it's when Lauren died, the first nurse that walked into my um, room, her name was Lauren. And that was like 
a sign for me. Like, she's still here. And my grandfather had died like two years before that. And um, I always tell the dead people in my life, look, if you're going to come back, come back in my dream because I can't, <laughs> I can't handle seeing you in form. <laughs> So he he comes to me in my dream, and I remember this dream so vividly. Um, he says, well, I see him, and I say, hey, Papa, have you seen Lauren? And he was like, Lauren, yeah, they just called her name. So I feel like when they, you know, die, they announce to the heavens, Lauren is here. He was like, yeah, they just called her name. And I was like, well, you know, make sure you go get her. And he was like, don't worry about her. I'm going to take care of her. And um, after, like right after, I want to say like the first year, I would just be sitting there and then I will just hear like a baby laugh. And I, I got her cremated um, because I didn't want to leave her in Hawaii. So I feel like um, Maybe I haven't fully grieved because I still have her urn. And you know, for Americans, most Americans, the funeral is like the end. Like we know they're gone because the casket goes in the ground in a tombstone. But because she doesn't have like a tombstone because she isn't buried, I don't know if that's the reason why I haven't really um, grieved like I should because she's in my office. There are times when I walk in and I actually have a conversation. I know she can't hear me, but to have that conversation and know that she's so close is important. Well, you mentioned that she doesn't have a, you know, maybe a place where you can, you know, finalize that, that, that mm-hmm. grieving process. But you mentioned that this was a, a um, an exercise in, in maintaining your mental health, right? Right. So. She, she does have a place on this earth. And in fact, that, that, that presence that she has is growing through your business, yes? Yes. So let's talk about that. Okay. Let's talk about, first of all, I wanna tell you, uh, so uh, Lexi came in, gave me some gifts here, gave me this pretty I fly did. watch. Okay. Right? And, and, and I told her, uh, so when we met outside, I was like, now, how are you gonna come here? I'm uh-huh. giving you my, you know, the best color I got, you know, oh, yeah. and you're gonna upstage me like that. <laughs> is live your life in color because Mm. there was a period where all I saw was black and white Uh and as women as people we use the way we dress or the way we feel we project that in our clothing a lot so if our motto is live your life in color and create a story in every piece that you wear from Aloha Glamour of course you know I was gonna have to show up glamorous there you go that's right So, so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And I get so many stares, even around Mississippi, because they're like, "Okay, who is this girl?" <laughs> and then with my mask that I have on. Oh yeah. Like, oh, do we my. have that? Do you? Do my you mask. I love this. You love my mask. Oh yeah. Oh, they like it's so futuristic. And <laughs> it's like sunglasses, a face shield sunglasses. Come on now. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I've, I feel like you're channeling like, like maybe some J Lo, maybe a little bit of Yeezy here, you know. So. <laughs> you know, it's that trans at Aloha Glamour. <laughs> that is what we do. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, so tell everybody what this is. 
So that is a cocoa nut lay. Okay. In Hawaii, it's customary for lays to be given um, for celebrations, births, graduations, whatever you're celebrating. You know, a lot of times when people land in Hawaii, they get laid with mm-hmm. flowers. So you can either get laid with flowers or cocoa nuts. Okay, and these have turtles. you have turtles, sea turtles. Yes, yeah, sea turtles. They are. Um, protected in hawaii you can't touch them and they're so huge like massive i've never seen anything like it yeah i used to like to go to um haleiwa Mm -hmm. early in the morning you just see them laid out in the sun in the in the in the dirt i just loved it rough life yes rough life i went diving out there one time and there were uh, three or four that kind of swam through, and and I didn't know that you couldn't touch them. I didn't touch them. I didn't mm-hmm. touch them. But but uh, but from a distance, just just to kind of move them, so like so large and so majestically moving through the water, it was just mm. it, it was an incredible mm. experience. <laughs> yes. So so it seems that what you're doing, you, you, you're 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 creating this legacy, this this remembrance through this passion of of clothing and fashion that you have, and a great taste, I might add. Right, and and you're doing that in the name of, of 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 Lauren. It's got some it's got some utility for you as well because it it, it kind of helps you process everything, right? Mm-hmm. But you're merging two things, as you said, your black culture mm-hmm. and then the culture of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk more about that? Sure. <laughs> um. So we talked about the um, Afro Hawaiian princess. What is it about being being black and being Hawaiian that merge together to create this? beautiful vibrant fashion well we're we we all have both of us have melanin in our mm-hmm. skin um the hawaiians they love bright colors mm-hmm. africans love bright colors um i never thought about that ohana when you go to um luau's in hawaii Uh you know they call you ohana everybody's cousin um it's a sense of family and even in the black community like you come to my house you're part of the family now like we're cousins so in those ways we are alike yes and they like they love to eat (laughs) we love to eat like they have rice with everything Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you can go to mcdonald's and get spam and rice and eggs that's true yeah yeah when i first saw that i said y'all got spam and rice but no sweet tea (laughs) 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 what they do that at (laughs) hawaii hawaii yeah yeah uh spam on everything nice nice restaurant spams on the menu spam on the menu and look don't let them say a hurricane coming you go to Walmart, there's still bread, there's still milk, but they ain't no spam. None. <laughs> I'm somebody they got different types of spam. Teriyaki yeah, spam, yeah. lemon pepper spam. Like yeah. what? I heard that that was due to World War II. Oh, is it? Yeah. So uh, I, I I could be wrong, and this is just what I've heard, but I've heard that uh, cheerleading gym. <laughs> They're probably on the trampoline out there. <laughs> I had PTSD for a minute. I thought I was in a um, bunker. <laughs> Or actually, it's probably the roll-up door. Anyway, uh, yeah. So it it was. I think it was because of the ration. Because because you know we um, like the U.S. invaded Hawaii and Queen Lilikawana, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, so she was the last queen of Hawaii, but when they displaced a lot of the Hawaiians, they were supplying them and, and the cheap meat to give them at the time was spam, you know, and, and it was packaged in, in the metal containers and Hawaiians, as brilliant as they are, mm -hmm. well, they found uh, a way to make it a delicacy. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I read this one article when Aloha Glamour kind of went viral. Um, it came to the point where I had to Google Aloha Glamour like every single day to see if we showed up in some new article. And oh, wow. they wrote about us in Hawaii saying how we're appropriating the culture because we're not from Hawaii, but we have Aloha in our business name. Hawaiians are very protective over their culture. Mm -hmm. Very, very protective. Um, yeah. I, will, I will say from from what I've seen is you've been very respectful about it. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, not to get too far off on 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 a topic like that, but I, I'm not sure that appropriation is the right word. Oh. I think we conflate appropriation and appreciation with it. Yeah. There's there's a lot to love about that culture, you know, and and there's a lot of similarities as as you point out, you know between the culture, which I recognize now that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. uh, so an appreciation of, of that culture, I think is what you're doing. You're, you're, you're combining them and saying like, yes, they're distinctly different and they have their merits and value, but mm -hmm. man, there's a path, there's a conduit between them and, and, and you're creating that through your essentially artwork, yes. you know, but so, so let me tell you, you've, you've started this successful business, uh -huh. right? And it's international. Uh -huh. What makes it international? maybe the supply like you get because you got product coming from Ghana right oh yes gotta talk How'd about you? my guy Nians Edison yeah. um, I, I played basketball with a um, with a guy from Ghana whenever I was at Travis okay. uh, we we played all the time Aban was his name but but he was first first generation he was an aircraft mechanic in the Air Force with me great great dude Mm, Great ball player, mm. but um, but yeah. So so what what got you connected with Ghana? So, the beginning of the pandemic, I quickly pivoted my business to include African print mask. Okay. And including African and Hawaiian print mask, I felt like it was important to have a source from Africa. Okay. And somehow through Facebook, I got connected with um, Danny. And. I just had them make me like 100 masks at a time. Mm -hmm. So they were sending the masks, you know, I was keeping them busy. And um, the first update I got was, hey sis, we're, we're now moved into a location. Look at the building because of, you know, all the orders you have, now we can work inside. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's right? incredible. Right, but I'm, I'm not connecting it, you know, the impact that I'm having. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. So, I want to say about four months go by. He was like, um, hey, sis, can we hire some new seamstresses? And I'm like, why are you asking me? That's your business. And mm -hmm. he was like, no, I didn't have a business before you started ordering masks. So he thinks he works for you? Yeah, he worked for me. Like, yeah. they put my picture up. No kidding. Yes. He did this whole video. Like when they moved into their um, their building, he did mm -hmm. a video and he was like, thank you, Aloha Glamour. And I was like, what? So when they put the picture up, he was like, yeah, you're our boss. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I got a 
fashion house in Ghana. Ghana. Um, so we were able to hire two people. They were able to get new machines. And he just actually got a car. So <laughs> he over there living life. Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> look at you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But they, he think I made out of money because he'd be like, sis, I need this, this, and this. And I'd be like, where do you think this money comes from? <laughs> So, so you have a shop in Gulfport, uh, uh, boutique. Mm-mm. No, are you purely online? Purely online. There you now. go. No mm-hmm. overhead. I like that. Well, I did buy me a she shed. Mm-hmm. And I primarily work out of my she shed. I call it my fulfillment center. Mm. When I package my That's online perfect. orders. <laughs> yes. But um, the journey, the reason why I go so hard in Aloha Glamour, because remember I talked about the Air Force and how. Um, they didn't know what to do with me while mm-hmm. I was grieving. And going to mental health has always had a stigma yeah, in the military. And I had went to mental health and the counselor was like, you know, maybe you need to do PHP. And PHP is part-time hospitalization program. So instead of me going to work, I actually go to therapy throughout the day. Hmm. Um, but in order for that to happen, they needed the okay for my commander. So I got this new commander in. This is my first time meeting him. And he pulls me in and he's like, Sergeant Williams, we got a request for you to go to PHP. Can you kind of tell me um, why they're recommending you to go to PHP? So I tell him that same story that I just told you that had us crying like we was made out of water. Mm-hmm. The first thing out of his mouth after I finished that was... Why are you looking like that? Because I, I, I'm just worried it's going to be bad. Like, but He looked at me and said, your baby was supposed to die. He did not. Yes, he did. In my mind, I had flipped over the, the table and choked him. But when I came back, I was just looking at him like. That was it? There was no other context to that? Yeah, that's it. It was like your baby was supposed to die. I looked at the first sergeant. And at that point, I had checked out. Whatever he was saying, he was saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's done. Yeah. Yeah, there's, 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 there's no conversation after that. So he says, well, I'm going to allow you to go to P- PHP. Okay. So in allowing me to go, um, I had to be a PHP at 8. They wanted me to come to work from 6 to 8, which I didn't mind because I worked at 6 anyway. But they wanted me to come back after PHP. Um to do work and I'm like well PHP is supposed to take the place of work as I'm trying you know to grieve or whatever um you know how we can automate our posts so while I'm in PHP my posts are automated and my counselor in PHP says well your commander says that you're on Facebook all day every day I'm in PHP how am I on Facebook? So they're watching you on Facebook and they see the post going out and they say, oh, well, she's abusing this. Yes. So they formulate that opinion without actually asking about it and learning about nuances of Facebook. Yes. So they wanted to take Aloha Glamour away from me more than once. And um, I ended up failing my PT test. Mm-hmm. This was the year after Lauren. I failed my PT test. Um, because of course I'm depressed, I'm eating, and then I was just diagnosed with hypothyroidism on top of that. Mm. They give me a referral EPR. And after that referral EPR, I just 
It is what it is at this point. For those who, who don't know, a referral EPR hurts your chances for promotion, advancement, opportunities, all those things. Um, and, and to explain how difficult it is to get a referral EPR, it's written into the regulation. There's a line that says anything that could be perceived as derogatory has to be a referral EPR, which means there's a whole process for it. So if you put something that is could could be perceived as derogatory, then it becomes this negative thing, which means generally everybody has a very positive EPR, even a middle performer that doesn't do a lot of things. Yeah. The entire thing is mostly positive. So yeah. it's a big deal that somebody gives you a referral EPR. EPR. So with that, because I worked in the orderly room, I also knew who else got referrals, right? There was another technical sergeant who failed her PT test. She did not get a referral. Mm -mm. Because there's also a line, I'm pretty sure at the time, that said something to the effect of like, a failure of a PPR does, of, a, of a PT test does not automatically mean. And I told them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was just one of the things Life's that I've dealt with. Life's trying you, Lexi. Yes. Life's Life trying was, you. Let me tell you something. They were trying me. Like, I, I believe that they were trying to give me a dishonorable discharge. Because I even went to, um, let me tell you, a year later, right? So with the referral, I couldn't test. No, yeah. no, you can't. So come next year, right? I done passed my PT test. I go, no, I think I failed it again. I failed it again. But I go to, no, I didn't fail it. Long story short, I go to apply for TA. Tuition's assistance. Yes. Which, are you on a control roster at this point? I was, but they didn't tell me. So mm. I didn't find out that they had put an unfavorable information file on mm -hmm. me until I went to apply for tuition assistance. And I say, well, when did this happen, right? So I go to the first sergeant, I go to the chief. I didn't sign off for the documentation. Yeah, that's true, um, yeah. That mm -hmm. they're notifying me that I'm on this. Mm -hmm. um, I go to the MPF because I am personnel. I just walk back there, hey, let me see this UIF. MPF is basically the HR center for the Air Force, yeah. Right, I keep forgetting. No, 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 no. It's it's perfectly fine. I got you. Yeah, okay, thank you, Pazin. <laughs> <laughs> so I go to the MPF. I look at the document, still no signature for me. Everybody else has signed off on it. Legal has signed off on it. The MPF has updated it. So I go into the superintendent's office and I'm like, hey, this is a training um, opportunity for you all. <laughs> I didn't sign off on this. Why is this updated in the system, right? Went to legal, went all the different agencies that they said were available to me. Everybody said, well, go back and talk to your commander. Mm. to see if he'll take it off. Mm. So you're acknowledging that this shouldn't be updated, mm -hmm. but you want me to go talk, go back to the man who said, well, your baby was supposed to die. Mm -hmm. And I explained this to my commander um, because of course the commander is telling the chief and everybody, everything that I'm doing, right? But when I had a meeting with the commander and my um psychologist I requested that the chief the first sergeant and my supervisor was there and I told them that story and I said sir the first thing you said was and he tried to clear it up he was like oh you mean no I said and you said something to me that has um, affected me since 
you know, we met. And he was like, oh, when I said how everything happens for a reason and if you don't hit 25, you're not supposed to. I said, no, when you told me that my baby was supposed to die. And everybody was just like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, something like that definitely shifts the allegiance in the room. Right. Mm -hmm. So up until that point, they had no idea of, you know, everything that had happened. They just know what he's telling them. But yeah. So at that point, I felt like the Air Force as a whole had failed me. And while... Um, while you're still trying to grieve. While I'm still trying to grieve. Still, still, still trying to grieve. Still suffering all this loss, you yes. know. And then what should be kind of the bedrock, this... Uh, this job that is well pretty secure seems Absolutely. to have a crumbling foundation as well so everything around you seems to be falling apart trying you you know right so for my mental health i poured everything into aloha glamour mm -hmm. and when i started aloha glamour i also started the mississippi gulf coast black owned business network tell me about so it. I did that simultaneously because I okay. felt like if I had this afro Hawaiian business and I couldn't find my ideal client, then I'm pretty sure other black business owners had this same problem. Hmm. So I created this Facebook group and um, we grew organically. We now have 6,800 black owned businesses and consumers as well as not african American um, participants, people, cousins sure, yeah. in the group yeah. <laughs> who are looking to support black owned businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so in starting that group, I also started doing the Mississippi Gulf Coast Black Owned Business Awards Gala, where I pay homage to the small business owners because we're not privy to the information of like the Sun Herald and the big awards that they do along the coast. So I say, you know what, I'll just honor us. And because I was getting paid through the Air Force, you know, I, I had that extra money to fund these events. Yeah. And in doing all of this, I started getting recognized by the local community. Mm -hmm. They didn't even know I was in the military because I was doing so much in my community. And when I would tell like my supervisor, like I can't be here because I have to go to, or I need to take leave because I need to go to a, um, an awards banquet at like one of the casinos, they're like, why are you doing that? So then I send them the nominations and you know, the fact that I'm winning these awards and they're like, well, why can't you do that in the Air Force? Um, well, I was doing that in the Air Force until, you know. Let me, well, better yet, let me explain something to you. I'm going to pour my heart and soul into things that, that, that recognize, acknowledge, or at least give right. me the benefit of the doubt of what I'm doing. Right. But I can't even come to you and tell you about these, these things that are going on with me that affect me and get any support from it. None. The real question is, why don't you do that in the Air Force? Well, why would you? Why would I? Why would you? Y'all think I'm lazy. All I do is cry and I'm using my grief as an excuse is what I was told. Stop using that as an excuse. But what you're actually doing it doing is that that grief was motivating you to transcend yourself. Right. Yeah. So I ended up going through an MEB. Medical Evaluation Board. Yes. So in this, they're going to determine whether or not you're fit for duty. Yes. Yes. Okay. They determined that I was unfit for duty. Okay. And that I would be retired. Congratulations. Thank you. Some people get through that unfit for duty and they say, here's a small severance, get out of here. Mm -hmm. And you give away 17 years and don't get the pension and, you know, things of that nature. So, yes. Congratulations on that. Thank I you. hate that you had to take the path that you did to get there. Right. Because I was fighting it. I said, I can do three more years in my sleep. 
mm-hmm. right? Because it goes by so fast. It does. And I, you know, I kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. And as soon as I said, okay, God, obviously this is the path you want me to take, right? So I retired November 25th, 2019. Um, January 2020, I had dressed my first celebrity. March was when the pandemic hit and I pivoted. So by April, I was featured in GQ, CNN, Allure, like um, we and, and you just Forbes. won a, a big, a big recognition here recently. What was that? You yeah you text it. It may be hard to keep up with these. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So I was accepted into the 10,000 Small Business Program by Goldman Sachs. There you go. That's what it was. That's what yes. it was. Yes. So it's like, here I was trying to fight against God's will when all the signs were there that my time in the military was up. But I was trying to fight for a piece of check when not even six months after retiring, I've hit this level like that I didn't even see for myself. Hmm. Like I was... By April, I was over six figures. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I cried. I ain't never seen six figures like that. Mm-hmm. Not in real life. I mean, right, the right. lotto, but <laughs> not in my bank account. Right? <laughs> right? Honey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yeah, I had to get out of my own way. And I think it's if people would get out of their own way. God, I tell people this all the time. Man, I tell people this all the time. Their potential mm-hmm. is like un, unlimited. Wood ceiling. Break mm-hmm. those glass ceilings. So yeah, just once I got out of my own way, it's... Yeah, there's a... Um, there's a book I read a while ago, and it's got a famous passage in it. It, it, it was in Coach Carter, mm-hmm. where the kid stands up and he recites this beautiful thing, and it was like it doesn't um, it, it doesn't serve the world to play small. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all meant to shine as children of God. You know that 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 speech. I, I'd butcher it if I tried to say it, but mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I I I definitely agree. I mean, um, I wrestled with with an idea of. I've got a philosophy background, so I like the idea of ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And it was, what if the entire idea of like the Christian religion was that we were the actual gods? Yes. And we were the, okay, so this hits with you, good. Yes, Um, because you know the Bible say we're created in his image. Right, right, And, 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 and so maybe these are just collections of stories about you know, like Cain and Abel's a good one. It's the duality of the of the of the competing brothers, and maybe that's saying you need to be aware of this, and if you can transcend this mm-hmm. and not fall fall victim mm-hmm. to this, well, that's a step towards your self divinity, you know, and the unlimited power that you have. Because because what is God? Well, He's uh, omnipotent. He has right. unlimited potential. Mm-hmm. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. Um, yep. So are we. Absolutely. All the potential that exists in technology, we can go to the moon. We, we can do all this stuff. This these were all our manifestations. Mm-hmm. So what if the idea is that the entire idea behind the Christian religion, at least, or the Abrahamic religions, Islam and Judaism, is that it's a story, a series of parables to say you are the God right? as an individual, as, I, so I long as you it. can master yourself. I believe it. Yeah. Yeah, you were speaking my love language when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey now, so 
Now, you're somebody who joined the Air Force, right? So you have this idea of service. Mm -hmm. And when you got into this position of uh, 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 despair or grief, if you will, your default was to work in the community. Yes. What, what is it about service to others that heals you? Uh, I don't know. It just felt right, to be honest. Like... I say surround your people or surround yourself where you're accepted and not tolerated. And my community was accepting me with open arms, even though I hadn't physically lived here in so long. Mm -hmm. Like when I initially came back, I actually felt like a, like I had just PCS to a place I had, I, like a new place. This is how it felt when I got out of active duty, 100%. This, this, what you're saying hits with me now. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, uh. Mm -hmm. So for them to open and accept me with open arms for strangers to say, you know, that idea is crazy, but hey, I'm, I'm with you, right? That meant a lot to me. So I, f I feel like the more you pour into others, like you have to be a blessing to get a blessing. Mm. And not that I'm being a blessing because I want something in return, but it just feels good. Do what feels good. That's right. That's, that's right. There's a, there's a philosopher named Ayn Rand who came from Russia in the early 20th century, and she had this idea of objectivism. And mm -hmm. it's basically that um, doing things for yourself is a moral good. And so <clears throat> it's this idea, a lot of people package it as a, like a philosophy of selfishness, and I can work with that, sure. Mm -hmm. so, so if it feels good to make other people feel good, isn't that selfish in and of itself? Is it? I think so, because you're pursuing what makes you feel good. good. Mm -hmm. Just It just so happens that that good thing does something for that other person. Does too. something for that other well, person. See that right. Too. See? See? Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I so, can, so, yeah. So, uh, now I listened to an interview with you, and, and I've, I forget the lady um, you did this interview with. I think it was like a Zoom or Skype one. And you mentioned that when you created this, this community of black business owners, mm -hmm. right? that some people kind of viewed it as, it as wasn't- segregation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you brought up a good point. You said it wasn't, you just wanna make, make sure that they were included Absolutely. in the conversation. Yep. Talk more about why you need, why you felt, why you feel that way. Well, in PCS and back to Mississippi and looking at the surrounding, I kind of, um, you know, I compare to other mm -hmm. places that I've been stationed, like Virginia. The black and white community, they work together. Mm -hmm. And when I got here, I still felt that there was like some separation when it comes to um, race mm -hmm. down here. It's like unspoken racism. Like, you know, it's there. You just feel like it's there. Like it's lingering. Like there's a, there's a mist about it. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's not overt. Right. Maybe it's in the shadows, you know, deep down in places people don't like to talk about. Right. Mm -hmm. But. And in growing up in that, in this environment, I felt like that nothing had changed. Mm. So when I started seeing um, the one coast awards and um, the different awards that they do here locally and how most of the businesses that were being nominated were of non-african descent mm -hmm. that made me think like either we don't have access to the information 
or we don't feel like we can compete or we're just not being nominated. So it was important for me to create to create the group and also include the word black. Mm-hmm. So people feel comfortable. I, I know how to meet people where they are, so where they don't feel intimidated. Right. But I can still give you advice that's going to help, mm-hmm. you know, increase your business or whatever. That's right. So that's right. Um, it was very important for me to use that word black. And I always get, well, why you got to put black in it? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's who I'm focusing on. That's right. And, and you know, so, so you say that, that part about maybe maybe they can't compete. Mm-hmm. And people might look at that and let's look at that objectively and say, well, why? Well, why? Well, maybe because the people that are competing are taking advantage of like generational no wealth, wealth type things. Right. You know what I mean? So, so we should be celebrating these black business owners who don't have, have the benefit, mm-hmm. right? That are doing some amazing things right. and that will eventually do as well, if not better than the people, with the generational wealth, because we're in the phase now gro- getting rapidly into it mm-hmm. where it's finally okay for people of color to right. build generational wealth. Yes, it is. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, we don't have access to capital or the mentors or like you said, the generational wealth, because nothing is really passed down to us, but bills. And then yeah. we got to do fish fries to pay for the funeral. Mm. Not saying that we all do, but, you know. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Um, you know, my, my dad was having, uh, my dad and I have, have, have conversations, you know, about the times, right? Mm-hmm. And my dad's a right-leaning guy. And he okay. said, he, it was really interesting. He said this uh, this past week. He said, you know, it's, it's, it's wild out there, you know, like if you're somebody on the right side of the aisle, and I don't intend to make this a political conversation, yeah, this, there's, a, there's a point to this. He's like, yeah, it's people like on the right side of the aisle, you know, they're having to tell their kids, hey, look, your, your voice is not the same, mm-hmm. you know, like you can't say the things that you want to say out there. And I said, dad, people in this country of color that are having that conversation today have been for 70 years and he and he said or or more you know and he said and he was leaning over when he said that because we were out in public eating and he leans back like this and goes never thought about that Mm -hmm. you know it's all about the mindset (laughs) yeah that's right that's right but 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 maybe kind of changing that having that discussion might help reframe people right as well as well um I've got a funny story. Okay. I, I think it's kind of funny, but I've never, I tell people all the time, I don't know what, you know, the racism feels like. Uh-huh. I don't. I've never, there's a couple things that have hit with me, like when Obama, after um, the tragedy of Tray, uh, Trayvon Martin, he said, I know what it's like to walk through a parking lot and hear doors lock, mm-hmm. you know? And this was a constitutional professor, you know? So, uh, that hit with me mm-hmm. and having conversations like that like this is what happened that should be a nuanced thing i'm just walking to a damn parking lot right and i hear that you know um but i'm i grew up playing basketball around here you mm-hmm. know and uh oftentimes i was the lone white guy yeah. you know <laughs> but a common thing even even walking into a gym like i've i'm playing ball at keeps for 25 years but you can know? you jump though <laughs> look i can play <laughs> look my nicknames are Knockdown, okay. Bell Bottoms. Okay. okay. I'm with the three. Listen, listen. I tell, I tell people, uh, I tell people, look, you guard me at the door. Okay. Okay. okay when I walk in the gym, anywhere you see wood grains, my range. Okay. okay? You break an ankle. <laughs> okay. But, but look, so th- th- you know, this is a situation that that I've run into many times, right? 
but you walk in, there's games going, there's four people on the side, right? I walk in, white guy, find out who has the next game, like, hey, can I run with you, you know? Mm-hmm. He does this, you know, like, now I'm good, I'm gonna wait for somebody, okay? Now look, got it, okay? Now, when they get on the court, right, I've got the next game, mm-hmm. I pick up four people, I'm rooting for his team, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I get y'all on the, can play each other. That's right, mm-hmm. and my goal is to destroy that because that pissed me off. Because yeah. you judge me immediately right there. Based and off I, the color of your skin. And I'm going to show you how badly you got that wrong. And I'm going to make it hurt. Right. You know? Now, I can package that feeling up and say, that's nothing. That's a game. Mm-hmm. You know? But it made me work harder and it made me angry. Yeah. So if that's something like what it feels like, I, I don't want anybody to have to go through that. Yeah. And that's, again, it's, it's nothing. It's meaningless. Right. But when you're a black business owner, mm-hmm. creating a community for people of color, right? Because you felt that. Right. How do you think you channeling that into helping other people is helping the Gulf Coast become more diverse? Hmm, that's a great question. <laughs> well, we could talk through it again. Like, it's, really it's, it's, it's kind of a tough question, it honestly. Like, yeah. I, I, so for me, because you're doing it out of like what you feel like it's good to do, right. and maybe you haven't thought long term, like what is this going to do? Because you're just doing it day by day. Like I feel like I, I should do this. It's a good thing. Right, and I feel like we have the people here to make the Gulf Coast what it should be mm-hmm. a big tourism spot mm-hmm. right a very diverse tourism yes. spot yeah for sure bring back the cruise ships like mm-hmm. have not a green book you know the green book that they used to have but mm-hmm. have um you know options for people to choose yeah. from well and and to, to be fair i mean the gulf coast is the most diverse part right. of the state there's there's pockets of around jackson and mm-hmm. madison and um but uh Man, there's places in North Mississippi. Look, I wear team colors and I wouldn't go, you dig? Okay. <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the Gulf Coast is, is such a beautiful and, 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 and diverse place. Um, but, but again, it's not as diverse as it could be because it still carries the trappings of the history of Mississippi. Right. And know? New Orleans is right there. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. why can't we be culturally a cultural melting pot. I think we're getting there, and I think you're somebody that's a part of that transformation. Oh, that's that's a big part of that. I mean, I don't think, like you're winning all these awards, at some point you gotta settle down and say like, look, I've got, I've got real impact here. So that's funny because um, last week, Beyonce posted me on her website. Stop now. Listen, no, that was, that was this week. So Tuesday. How I, many times has this happened where you can't keep up listen, with Beyonce reposting you? Listen, I woke up <laughs> Tuesday and I'm just like, so I won the NAACP Be Good grant. So NAACP and Beyonce got together to, you know, pour into small black businesses. And I posted it on Facebook. You know, Tuesday was my day. Like. Okay, Beyonce <laughs> post you. Beyonce posted me. So on Wednesday, I meet with my um, PR and marketing person, um, Pamela Johnson of Yellow Rabbit PR and Marketing. Okay. And she was like, um, we making money today? I said, of course we making money today. She was like, are you still basking in the whole Beyonce thing? I said, no. She's like, why? Girl, Beyonce posted you yesterday. I said, I got work to do. Hey. Like, I was happy yesterday, but now it's time to get back to work. Mm. So... 
with all of these um, accolades and acknowledgements, like, yes, I, hey, I love that y'all want to acknowledge me, right? But I'm doing this for them, not so much me. And while I was in the military, I found myself um, being guilty for winning the awards because they're recognizing me for Aloha Glamour, but I have Aloha Glamour because I lost my daughter. So can I really bask in the, you know, the congratulations and oh my gosh, this is so great when the whole story behind the business is because of a loss. So I dealt with that a lot, um, like the guilt of saying, oh, Aloha Glamour has this award, but why do we have Aloha Glamour, mm. right? So, um, Well, but to be fair, again, it's it's allowed you to be put in a position to, to, to be a voice for many people. You've, you've created like upward mobility for people in Ghana yeah. <laughs> you know, and and you're you you work in Nigeria as well, right? Yes. Yeah, so I have bags that come out of Nigeria and Kenya. Okay. Yeah. So I work in many different sales in Africa, but my um, direct contribution is in Ghana. Well, still, you you you're giving economic impact in 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 those areas. I mean, many people will win a business award and it only affects their county. That's true. <laughs> Like you're doing big things here, you know, but, but does it feel like you're doing things as big as you are? Cause, okay. it, Cause it just, it feels like you've done all these things. You talk about a bank account with, 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 with six figures. Right. But mm-hmm. man, from the first text I had with you, I mean, the memes we share back and forth, like you're just like, I'm just me. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, so how do you deal with it? I mean, do you, L- listen, <laughs> does it feel undeserving? Like, yeah, because I feel like, you know, I'm I'm just pouring back into my community. Like, mm-hmm. this this is what I want to do. It Like, I can be at the mall, and somebody be like, I know you. You're Lexus. And I'm like, girl, <laughs> if you don't come that day, I, I could never be a celebrity. I could never be a celebrity. I wouldn't know how to, mm-mm. That make, it makes You're my already anxiety. Won. It makes my anxiety bad. So, like, I just... I just like to do what's right for for the community, for the greater good. Well, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta throw that Hawaiian word in there. That's yeah. all I know. Aloha, mahalo. So, so what's new for the business? Where are y'all going? Mm, so they asked me that question when I got accepted into Goldman Sachs. And like I said, I believe in visions, right? I was asleep. I think it was like midnight. And I woke up, I said, oh my gosh, I need a vending machine. And within five hours, I had already had a vending machine being made. Like, I don't, I don't think out the concept. I just say, God gave me this vision, so I got to go with it. A vending machine for what? For my fashion. So it's going to be a fashion box. I have the machine. It's in my, I got the machine. It's here. Really? Mm-hmm. And it's going on okay. Keesler. But I'm not, I'm not, you know, the back office piece, mm-hmm. that's not me. Like, I'm the creator. So the reason why my machine hasn't launched is because I can't get my two back offices to connect. And I'm like, I don't have time for this. Mm. Like, I need to hire somebody who can, who know how to hook the... the yeah. I'm a creator, right? <laughs> I create. <laughs> when it comes to the... the <laughs> you need the fixer. You know, you need the yes. advancer, the Where's fixer. Olivia yeah. Pope when I need her? <laughs> <laughs> like, sir, 
So yeah, so I have a a, um, a vending machine, and then um, we talk we talk about favor. You know, favor ain't fair, right? Mm-hmm. So for the Bob, I haven't even released this yet. But for the Bob, I just lease a nine thousand square foot building for us. Okay. That it's in Gulfport. It's gonna be in Gulfport, and um, it's gonna be a co working space. Mm. But once a month, I would host Melanin Villages. Where what is that? Melanin Villages, when um, business owners, they can set up to sell their products and goods and services to the local community. We were doing it outside at the 34th Street Holistic Garden. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the rain and then it got mm. cold. So when this building became available, everybody was like tagging me in it because I had been asking. I had been putting it in an atmosphere like we need to build it. We need to build it. We need a building. And so when this building started being shared on Facebook, they were tagging me and tagging me. And I ended up contacting the young lady who was showing the space. And when I went to look, I was like, oh, my God, this space has just been sitting here. And I just don't know. You know, I don't know. And she was like, okay. So she tells her boss, Ben, who's in Tennessee, and um, my my right hand she was with me and she mentioned the black owned business group Mm -hmm. and i'm also the director of the african-american chamber of commerce that i'm going to be rolling out either the end of quarter you got a lot of hats under that hat i do (laughs) i do so um when ben heard that he sent her a message she was like look i googled her i need her in this building whatever she needs to get in this building and i'm like like this is huge for me i'm usually Mm -hmm. not scared but this is really causing me some anxiety. But long story short, Ben ended up getting me into the building. He was like, you know, I believe in everything that you're doing. And he's not even from here. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like there are a lot of gatekeepers here locally. And I'm having to reinvent a lot of stuff because people there don't could wanna, be some of that. Yeah, because people don't want to give me the information when all I'm trying to do is you know, bring a positive light to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Mm-hmm. I tell people, if I make it, y'all gonna make it, period. Yeah, right. that's right. So why hold me back into helping us move forward? I would say is there's, when I think of what you said there about being local gatekeepers, I would say that that's likely because you see things that are gaining traction like your, like your, your group. Also, um, there's a segment that uh, the Sun Herald started. It was um, Color of the Coast. Color of the Coast. Yeah, she contacted me. Brittany she was, Davis, right? Yeah, she Brittany said, I want to start yeah. this Lexi in. Shout out to Brittany. Shout out to Brittany. <laughs> that's my girl. Yeah. And that's interesting that you bring that up because when people want to start something or if it has something to do with diversity or a company wants to do something with diversity or get information out, they call me and I'm like, why are y'all calling me? Right? And it dawned on me that they want access to the network. They want the 6,800 people that, you know, they want to give this information to the 6,800 people that are in this group, even though it's just, it's a Facebook group. If mm-hmm. Facebook go away, the group goes away. Yeah. So I just find that um, interesting. Like I just had a bank reach out to me and was like, hey, PPP loans, and we really want to get into your group so we can do like a, a segment and I'm like okay like it's it's getting to the point where I feel like I need an assistant but I ain't got no money to pay no assistant so they sure. just gonna have to be doing it on GP cause <laughs> them six feet is gone <laughs> damn I've been in machine 
which I feel like um, because I took off so quickly, like I didn't have the foundation of business because I didn't start the business to have a business. I started yeah. it for my mental health. It was an outlet, yeah. Right, yeah. so I find myself doing things backwards. Um, like when I had the, the money, what was I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Me, being me, I put it right back into the business and put it into product. Yeah. So it's like I made all of this money. I have nothing, I say I have nothing to show for, but when in all actuality is, it's my inventory, it's in my inventory, yeah, right? I just yeah. need to get it out. That's right. But if I had like the foundations of a business, like you need a CPA, you need, you know, this is what you need. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like I could have utilized the exposure and the funds in a totally different way had mm -hmm. I had the right people. Why, well, you know, had I had a team. Right, I mean? right, right. Well, I, I'd say also, and, and and I think this is this problem is endemic across all demographics, but like we don't do a good job of like teaching about money to younger people. And unless you come from a family that that has had success with money, which mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're a person of color, it's least likely that that's the case, you right. know, like you, you, you don't you you could have the same amount of money with with two people and say they have the same opportunity they don't have the cognitive like background to say this is how i invest this money mm -hmm. i need to get the llc i need to get the articles of incorporation i need to get all these things you mm -hmm. know you don't have that background it's a disadvantage right but the good news is i did set up my business correctly it was just you know yeah, the yeah. cash flow sure and in starting a group, I understand that a lot of people don't set up their businesses correctly. So it is my desire to do like a Black on Business Academy where we go through the foundations. Cause there's people who've been in business for 30 years but don't have an LLC and they ain't, sure. you know what I'm saying? All that, all that risk associated with that too, yeah. Right, yeah. so I definitely wanna set us up um, I think Kevin Hart teamed up with Chase Bank for something similar like that. Oh, did he? Yeah, that's 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 primarily working um, with uh, minority communities to to, to kind of give that educational piece to them. But um, he 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 talked about it on a podcast that 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 he was doing. I I think it was um, it might have might have been the Joe Rogan podcast. But anyway, I think it might be him and Jamie Fox. I could be wrong in the Jamie Fox piece, but he's got another partner. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, that's it's it's obviously needed, but. Um, so are you in the works for that or, or is it, or is it just like kind of a vision thing that, that got to get some more organization around? Yeah, all of that. Okay. Like I've been working on 18 things at once. Like I have so many tabs open. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> probably, probably literally, but like, you know, that could be a funny metaphor too. Like, man, I got so many tabs open I up really here, you know? Do. Uh -huh. <laughs> Because with all of these businesses, like I, I still have to be a parent. I still got to be a daughter, mm, oh, a yeah. granddaughter. Uh, my grandma's getting older, and I just love to spend time with yeah. her. Like she is so funny. <laughs> you don't realize how funny and petty your grandparents are <laughs> until until you get older. Yeah. You be like, you've been like this your whole life. The whole time. You invented petty. <laughs> so I love. I love how grandmothers can talk can talk trash about people okay. like and especially right in front of them like, right. <laughs> it's so like, good Brandon, make me push you <laughs> make me push you down <laughs> but yeah it's so they don't care yeah. like what you gonna do to me yeah, that's true <laughs> that's true <laughs> well they deserve it they, they've 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 been, through been a on lot. this yeah exactly exactly mm -hmm. they're a, uh, 
this. They're, so they're definitely good. a protected class. But, Lexi, look, we've been talking for about two hours we now. We have? Yeah. Ow. Yeah, real deal. Real deal here. I think I get the actual time here. Let's see. I think we're at. Yeah. Well, yeah, close to it. So, anyway, in any case, uh, where can people learn more about you? Well, if you want to learn more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at Aloha Glamour. That is A-L-O-H-A-G-L-A-M-O-U-R. Okay. That's my name on Facebook as well. On Twitter, I'm Aloha Glamour One. Um, my website is alohaglamour.shop. And I also have a blog on there as well. Okay. And they can purchase on there? Yeah. As well? Mm -hmm. Okay. Excellent. Lexi, I've, I've, I've had such a blast talking with you. <laughs> we got to do this again. Absolutely. <laughs> we can call it the Cookies and Cream Podcast. Come on now. Or Are we talking or are we talking? We talking. <laughs> okay. We'll get it set up in your building. You carve out a room right there. We'll start a podcast. That'll be dope. Yeah, well. I wanted to do a podcast called The Girl in the Skirt, where I share stories. From I'll be the skirt. Oh, you can't just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh my god. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Lexi, look, it's 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 been a blast. Thank you. Thank you for coming on here and 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 sharing your your story and your passion. Um, you've channeled loss and tragedy, tragedy, in a beautiful way, um, and I have no doubt that it's you know a continual process. But the legacy for Lauren might be one that she continues to live on. Mm -hmm. she's an inspiration of color and beauty, you know, and she's given you an avenue to affect what is her community as well. That's you know? true. That's so dope. So thank you for sharing with me. Thank you I for love having you. me. You've been fantastic. I love, you too. <laughs> I love Everybody. Thank you. Y'all have a good one. <laughs> See Mahalo. Ya. Mahalo. You should get your um, listeners to write in Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. And if you want to follow uh, more and hear more, you can check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, everything. You can also follow us on social media. I've got a YouTube channel, so search for Shop and Chivalry. Subscribe there. We also have Instagram. Just look for Shop and Chivalry. Twitter, at Shop and Chivalry. And Facebook.com slash Shop and Chivalry. You can also shoot us an email at administration at Shop and Chivalry if you'd like to be on the show or suggest somebody or give more direct feedback. You can also find that link on our website, shopandchivalry.com, where I have all of my ramblings about the show, what the show means to me, that, that particular episode. I've got a blog, other media on there as well, as well as embedded players. So you can play the shows and the videos for those that, that have video as well. So uh, again, thank you for all the love. I appreciate all the feedback. It's been wonderful. I'm having a great time. And uh, yeah, much love. All right. See you. <laughs>